Hello everyone, welcome to Is It Legal? I'm your host, Dave Plow. This week, I'm bringing you a conversation I had with Fernanda Baraldi. For years, Fernanda worked in her home country of Brazil as the senior legal counsel for Embraer, an airplane manufacturing company. Her job included the leasing and repossession of aircraft. This conversation got kicked off when I asked Fernanda how much of the aircraft that you or I may have flown in could have been leased, and later, we're gonna find out what happens if a lessor misses too many payments. Of the whole fleet of the whole world, pretty much 30 to 40%, we are talking about leasing, aircraft leasing. So lease to own or lease as a rental, like operating lease, um, I, I don't have any breakdowns on those numbers, but right. it's pretty, pretty much 30 to 40% of all aircraft in the whole world is leased. And that's, I mean, when you're a startup company, you're a startup airline, that makes total sense because you don't have the money to just cash in and buy a new $30, $40 million aircraft. So you'll just pay monthly to use it if you're renting, or you pay monthly to own it at the end of the, your 10, 15-year-old uh, uh, financing document, financing agreement. Okay. Uh, and then, as you said, sometimes people are late on payments or don't oh, make payments, yeah, so yeah. you repo them. Yeah, exactly. What, <laughs> what's the repo process on an aircraft? Yeah, I mean, the repo process in a, a process in an aircraft is naturally difficult, and because of the essence of the aircraft, which it's, it flies, right? It flies right, anywhere. Yeah. So there's not a recipe that I can go to. There's not a checklist that I can go to. There's stuff we can do. There are measures we can take to avoid things go bad, uh-huh. things going bad. But it's not, I mean, it will depend on where the country, the country where the aircraft is, where it's registered. Um, if there are any maintenance liens, um, on on the aircraft or on the airline, if the airline has tax um, issues, if they if they owe tax to the government, um, if they have any flight plans scheduled for out of the country, if they have maintenance due, that there's n- no way they can carry that maintenance in their country because they don't there wouldn't be any service providers for that kind of service in that country. So it's a lot of moving pieces, yeah. and it's like a it's really. It's fascinating and it's difficult and it's sometimes stressful, but I, I just have fun. <laughs> do you, have, you just have fun? <laughs> yeah, I do have fun. <laughs> okay. When you repossess, do you actually go to the site and get the craft and then do you guys fly Some, it back? Do you tow it? Like, how do you get it? depends on if it's airworthy, what we call, if it's if it's good for flying. Uh, yeah. We had uh, I had cases in which it was not good for flying. We just had to tow it to some other place uh, across the the tarmac and yeah. rent a hangar and just put it there. I had some cases like this, but I also had cases in which we needed to repossess. And that means like going there with, um, with crew pilots mm-hmm. and, and flight engineers and like crew right. and take the aircraft out of the air. We had to, we had those two opposites. So did this involve a lot of travel on your part? Were you all oh, over the place? Yeah, I was all over the place for a lot where of all, time. Where all did you go? Getting planes, where all have you been? I've been to many places. Repossessing planes took me to lesser places than negotiating deals took me to. Okay. Uh, but I, it's easily more than 30 countries, easily. Um, in, in, in repossessing planes, not necessarily I have to be there. Mm-hmm. 
But I have to have a very good lawyer there to help right. me yeah. doing that. You have to have somebody there. Exactly. And to discuss strategies with people that are like at least familiar with a repossession means. Yeah. And sometimes you have countries that are not, which legal system is not as sophisticated. And it will give you a lot of trouble. Like if you're, if I'm talking about a country like Burma, uh, Myanmar, right? They recently opened for business, kind of. <laughs> so three years ago or two and a half years ago. So when you're investigating a country like this, you have to do a, you have to carry a whole due diligence. Or do I want to put my asset in this country? Is it is it safe for me? Are there any liabilities um, bouncing back to to the lessor, you have to investigate all that. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about a country like Myanmar, there are no rules at all about mortgage of aircraft or any liens on aircraft or any, they're not signatories of the Cape Town Convention, which is a international treaty on that's beneficial if you're leasing and repossessing planes. Mm -hmm. So what do you do, right? Yeah. You have to, yeah. you have to, you know, count on the best lawyer that you have there and try to find a way to make the deal happen if that's what your company is aiming at. So it's really, it's really neat. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds, that, that's interesting stuff. Like yeah. you don't think about, man, I hate to call them a startup country, but like you don't think about going in like a country that's yeah. maybe not had this type of industry before yes. going in and helping them yes. kind of build. Yes. Uh, what happens if, you know, you lease an aircraft to them and then all of a sudden government's overthrown, your aircraft's there, do you guys go in and get it? There. So if there are tax or any liens in maintenance, mm -hmm. uh, we'll have to pay for those liens to get released before we can take the aircraft there out of there because those liens rank priority. So that means that what until the, the moment in where those liens are lifted or released, you cannot take the aircraft out of there. So you, you have to track the financial health of the airline because if they're incurring one million, two million, three million dollar tax issues, you have your aircraft stuck there until you pay for those. And can you imagine you're already yeah. trying to repossess your asset and then you have to right. pay more to get your asset out of there, right? So tax liens, maintenance liens, the first thing, you have to translate all the documents to whatever language yeah. is uh, spoken in that country because if you need to enforce it in the local courts, you're not sure they will understand Absolutely. English. So you have to translate the whole thing. You have to check tax, you have to check uh, maintenance liens, you have to check whether, um, where, are the, where are they flying to, if they'll be in that country, let's say we are talking about a government airline, mm -hmm. in any country, right? Not necessarily Burma, in any country, right. a government airline. Uh, and you, you're trying to repossess. And let's say that that airline, because it's a government airline, it's kind of a pride point to that country. And you try to repossess using their courts, you're not going to get a good no, result, are right. you? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do in this circumstance? You would wait until they, there's a flight out of the country, right? And then you find injunctions in some other countries that are more friendly to repossession. Okay. Uh, are you going to get? You're going to be successful? I'm not sure, but you have to, you know, investigate then those right. countries where the aircraft is flying too, so you can say, mm, this is a better place for me to file an injunction. And then even that, uh, even in this circumstance, um, flight plans can change all the time, right? Yeah. So you have to track, track with the authority that's controlling the planes, the, plane, the flight plan, right. planes. So uh, they can inform you and keep you updated 
in terms of updated in terms of where the plane's flying. So when you're doing that in Europe, this is really easy. You call Eurocontrol and ask them, pretty much. Yeah. Um, practically speaking, if you're doing that in in Africa, there's no there's not a centralized control to know where the plane's flying to, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a different another challenge. Um, let's. There's also something you need to check if the aircraft is a local one, if the airline is a local one, a regional airline that's not flying anywhere, and they are flying, let's say, a country, let's say, let's say in Africa, they are flying there only regionally, only within the country. Then you will investigate their maintenance records, where, when the the next maintenance is due. If it's a maintenance that's substantial enough that they have to fly away from the country to get it carried over, to get it done, uh, because there there are no service providers in that country that are sophisticated enough to provide that maintenance, you will just wait then until the aircraft is going to that other country that's better for you to file an injunction. Of course, there has to be a better. Yeah, (laughs) you have to hope there's better. Exactly. And when the plane's there, then you file an injunction in that other country and try to possess, repossess from that. That is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And oh. it's a lot of moving pieces. So you got to, I mean, you got to be, you got to be paying attention to every detail. And at the same time, you don't want to be, you don't want to be slow that all the other lessors for the same airline go and do it before you. Right. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to rush things because if you rush, uh, sometimes they are not in that position yet. They're not filing for bankruptcy yet, but you collapse them when you oh, repossess yeah. first because yeah. you repossess and then all the other ones come You're and repossess. You're walking a tightrope. <laughs> exactly. Coming up, we'll find out how Fernanda got involved with this business. But first, our sponsor, the IU McKinney School of Law, is located in the heart of downtown Indianapolis and offers a Master's of Law or LLM degree with five degree tracks, including American law for foreign lawyers. Find out more about living and studying in Indianapolis on their website at mckinneylaw.iu.edu. Coming back to Fernanda, I asked if there were any stories about repossessing aircraft she could share. There are a lot of repossession stories. I can just, I can spend hours talking about them. Uh, there, um, there was one particular story, which is, um, I'm not talking any about countries or anything. Yeah, right, just, okay. Um, Generalities generally, are fine. <laughs> yeah, we have we repossessed the plane. I mean, we had the the everything in place to fly it away. And it was kind of not in a good shape. We need to do a little maintenance on it right. to get it airworthy, as we say, ready for flying. Again, safe, in a safe condition for flying. But then um, a, m- a main piece of flying an aircraft is aircraft documents. Okay. Okay. So where are the aircraft documents? No one could find the aircraft documents. And Is no that one, like a glove box that it, they were just it, saying? <laughs> it's kind of a whole room. It's a very, very... Depending on the how old the airplane, the airplane is, the older it is, the more documents it has because right. it's traceability documents. Right. So it shows when the aircraft was maintained, where that, that specific system was maintained, where was the last C check or D check or... It, it, it shows traceability of all repairs, of all repairable parts. So it's a lot of things, right? right? So no one could find the aircraft documents to this date. No one fi- found them, okay? So what happens in this case is that 
you don't have any traceability, right? right? You don't know when the last, you don't know when the engine was repaired. You don't know when the APU, which is the kind of a battery for the plane, okay. was repaired. You don't know when the landing gear was overhauled. So the aircraft regulations, the aviation regulations in that circumstance, mean they, they say that you don't have any safety for flying. Right. In this case, you have to repair all the parts again. So you have to completely like rehaul the plane, exactly. basically. Exactly. Everything. Everything that's repairable. So you have to take out everything that's repairable, send to repair again, so you can have, now we know it's good for flying, and then right. putting them back to the plane before you fly. So can you imagine this, the cost? Yeah. <laughs> the logistics. Yeah. Right? T to do that in a country that you're already there in a, it's not an amicable presence right. there, right? You yeah. just want to... You're there to take their plane. Exactly. Yeah. You just want to be out as soon as you can, right? And then you have to do this all over again. How long did that take? So, one and a half year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. It is a long time. How long does it, how long do the repossessions typically take? Oh, it'll depend. It'll yeah. depend. It'll there's depend. Not like an there's average. no, it's, there's case not. Case by case. It's case by case. It's uh, facts driven. Solely facts driven. It's a politics of the country. Politics of the court. It's not politics of the court, but how the courts look at your case. How the courts look at the airline. Um, is this sophisticated country? It's not a sophisticated country. It's 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 a lot of moving pieces. Uh, I and we. And the most important thing is you should try to do it amicably if you can. Mm -hmm. Because when you do it amicably, you're not incurring any costs with like lawyers and translating right. documents and all the stress, right? So you try, try, try. You know, you have to, there's, there, there's a point where you can say, no, that's enough. Yeah. But again, when is this point, right? It's yeah. really... Yeah, it's it ideally, will change. Yeah. yeah, ideally somebody's just like, yeah, we're late. Here's your plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that doesn't happen a whole lot. Yeah, though. it it happened before, and and when it does, that's good. But yeah. usually you just don't have one plane there. Right. You have four, or five, or three. So you have the first one and two. Yeah, they're giving them back to you, and then the fourth, and yeah, it's just like mm, right. <laughs> so we were gave you three planes yeah. the way you want our other one. Exactly because it's mine, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we paid for that. Yeah, exactly. We talked about negotiating deals before. Yes. Were you involved with actual leasing of the aircraft also? Yes. What's that like? Do companies just say, hey, we're going to start an aircraft carrier. We need some planes. And then they contact you. Is that how it went? Sometimes it is how it how it goes. Like a company or airline in Ghana, they don't have any, any aircraft at all and they need an aircraft. Usually they'll go pre-owned because it's cheaper to lease, to get a lease from a pre-owned plane, which is a used plane, let's say like yeah. that. Um, they will go, they will call a lessor and say, look, we need a new plane. We need a plane and we need to lease the plane. And we know that you have a bunch of planes there. And Or sometimes there are companies that just want to expand the route they already have. Okay. Or is it a seasonal route? Like we're going to fly during spring for, I don't know, Cote d'Azur, something like that. Right. And we need a, a plane that's just for that route for a specific time. That may be the case too. Or just say, uh, we're trying to test a new route and we don't want to invest in a new plane for doing that. Right. They'll lease a, a pre-owned plane to test if the route will have as many passengers to warrant a, a full plane or a very a brand new plane. Okay. A full, I would say a brand new, yes, a brand new plane. And negotiating those deals, are it's really interesting because 
you you as the lessor, you are in the position that you have you want the best protection you want right. for your asset, right? Mm -hmm. You have this country you've probably never been there before, and you have on the other side people who are desperately wanting the, to get the plane. Yeah. They know exactly what's going on in their country, but probably they don't have any money, right? So how do you balance? You want to get the deal done if it's good for the company you're working for, but you want the best protection. Otherwise, it's just going to go back and right. bounce to the legal department. What's the, this plane doing there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So it's kind of it's a very sensitive balance, I would say. It's You have to know exactly where you can um, give a little more leeway to the lessee and where you can, in, oh, this is absolute, this is a no-go, right? You have to understand a little bit about the politics of the country. Like, is there a, is there a country where you have a, a government which is more authoritarian or you, it's more a democratic country? In those countries where you, you have a more authoritarian government, there may be the case as some countries in Africa, that the government can just go to any airline and request the plane for the government use. So this is something like you lease the plane and the plane's there and they're putting passengers and generating revenue and then suddenly the government goes there and says, I want this plane. What do yeah. you do, right? right? So you have to investigate the whole country. It's kind of carrying a due diligence on the country before you can put your plane there. And if there's such a country, there's a country where the government is kind of like that, you have to build triggers in your document and insurance-wise as well. Right. That will protect you if something like that happens. Sounds like world news and politics is keeping up with world news and politics. Yeah. is a huge part oh, of that. Oh, yeah, job. at all times. And um, as aircraft is really sensitive in terms of technology as well, aircraft is subject to what we call export control. So... Actually, some parts of the aircraft are subject to export control. So there are countries where um, we cannot lease the aircraft to. So countries that are in the list of the bared countries uh, in, the biz in the foreign politics of the United States. So even being a Brazilian company with uh, facilities here and operating in Dow Jones, you have to be able to, you have to comply with those regulations. Whose law kind of governs this when you're leasing aircraft across all kinds of different countries? Usually, all aviation, many or most of the aviation-related deals, they will go U.S. law or English law. And U.S. law, I mean, I would when I'm talking about U.S. law, I'm talking about New York law, the New York New York State law. Okay. This is what is usually chosen for aviation deals, and that's because they're sophisticated and the courts there are sophisticated courts that know uh, who to allocate responsibility if something happens. Nonetheless, if you have a airline that's going bankrupt and you need to repossess, the courts of that country where the aircraft's going bankrupt, they're not going to probably uphold right. U.S. law or English law. So this is something else you have to check, right? What happens if the airline goes bankrupt? This seems like a very specialized uh, job. How'd you get into it? How'd you get there? So I have a passion for aircraft, for flying in general. I'm not a pilot, but I have a passion for flying in general. So my dad is an aviation freak. He knows everything about planes. And since we were just five, he founded kind of a club in Brazil that's for beauty 
those the, the static models, you know, static yeah. models, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. small planes, right. static planes, scale, those yeah. small ones. And I think I was just five or four. And suddenly all our Saturdays were spent in those in this place with his friends and my mom and the other moms and the other spouses. And since I was just five. And then our sun, Sundays would be going to the airport to watch the air traffic. Just watching the air traffic? Exactly. That's so this cool. is where our family stuff on Sundays. So he's, I mean, he, he loves aviation a lot. He's a lawyer too. Okay. But he loves aviation. So I decided to, I went to law school. And after the law school, I went to to work for a law firm. Actually, before I went to law school, he was trying to convince me to be an aviation engineer. And I said, yeah. no way I'm going to be an <laughs> aviation an aviation, an aviation engineer. Yeah. So I said, no way. I, I, I wanted to be a doctor by then. I wanted to go to med school. And I went and I quit. And then I went to law school. <laughs> and then he said, oh, but you're never going to work with aircraft. I just said, wait for me. And then I, law school done, law firm. And then suddenly one day I received a, a call from Embraer. Um, so there's a position here. And then I applied and went through the process and got there. Usually, I started working with um, maintenance uh, and customer support deals, and then I added this uh, leasing um, experience to my to my daily activities. And although it's kind of a Embraer is an aircraft manufacturer, so the leasing it's kind of attached, right? right. It's yeah, not the main part of it. It's part of it. So it's nice because we can we could see sometimes planes getting delivered, and then brand new and then uh the uh, the airline would sell it for some other airline so you get you got to track the whole life of the plane and um i just got i mean it, it's it's as as you can see i'm totally passionate about it yeah. so it's just i was just moving forward and people say but this is so complicated oh my god i'm pulling all the head oh, the right, hair of yeah. my head I said, i'm just having fun <laughs> yeah it's a good time to you yeah it's a good time for me yeah it's good uh, so is that you mentioned earlier the that new york law kind yes. of governs that is that yes. why you came to america to study yes, law yes yes so i i've been to embraer for 6 plus years and um although we were really i mean as a aircraft manufacturer really specialized in I mean, really dedicated in getting the deals through with the mitigation risk and at the same time getting the business done. And we'd negotiate everything. I mean, as all mainly uh, main aircraft manufacturers using U.S. law or New York law or English law. And um, although I feel I was doing a good job, I just felt that to deliver better value to my clients, and I'm talking about my internal clients, I just needed to learn more. I needed to be more, I needed to understand the theoretical basis of the things that I was there talking and understanding. And I got a lot of experience by doing that. But I just said, I, I can be a better lawyer if I know exactly why all those things are there. And if I can understand better of um, of the American legal system in general. So this is why I decided to come. Okay, you mentioned that you're a fan of aviation, a fan of airplanes. Yes, I do am. You, do you go out just flying? Do you have people that you ride with? Do you do any of that? Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't? don't? No, I don't. I don't. I wish I <laughs> I wish I have. If anyone anyone listening to this want to give me a ride anywhere. <laughs> See, anyone other than Harrison Ford wants to give her a ride. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, Harrison. No. <laughs> yeah. No, at least not that he's not available for flying. Right. <laughs> 
No, I mean I love I love I love the experience of flying. I love being to air aviation shows, air shows. I went to those a lot with my dad. And um, my dad still goes to those shows. Um, I went to Le Bourget, the fair, uh, which is a very famous aviation fair in Paris. Uh, I was there the week before the fair is when the planes are all demonstrating. They're flying with acrobatic stuff. You can be in the hangar and watching them flying. I mean, it's such a nice experience. I, I just, it's it's a nice industry. It's very mm -hmm. tech oriented. Oh yeah. It gives a lot of opportunities for lawyers. I mean, for you to develop and for you to have fun. As I'm always, yeah. I'm here telling yeah, you. Yeah, as you say, it seems like you have a good time with it. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. If so. you don't have fun with the job, it's just change it, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Everybody, yeah. that is it for Fernanda. I'd like to thank her for taking the time out of her schedule as a student at our sponsor, the IU McKinney School of Law, to come and talk with me about her old job of repossessing aircraft. Speaking of our sponsors, if you're interested in learning about American law from prominent American judges, professors, and other legal experts, IU McKinney School of Law would like to invite you to attend the Summer Institute in American and Comparative Law from May 31st to June 20th. More information about the program and how to apply online at mckinneylaw.iu.edu. Listeners, thank you for listening. And as always, I will catch you next week on Is It Legal? Is It Legal?